Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. So we left off on Monday with the Ark of the Covenant captured by the Philistines, who were promptly afflicted with terminal hemorrhoids. And they took the Ark of the Covenant back to the Israelites. And that's where we put in today. 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 21. Then they sent messengers to the people of Kiriath the Irim, saying, The Philistines have returned the Ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up to your place. So the men of Kiriath the Irim came and they took up the Ark of the Lord. They took it to Abinadab's house on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to guard the Ark of the Lord. Now given what happened to the Philistines with the Ark of the Covenant, I'm not at all sure I would want that thing sitting in my living room. But there it is. Now, it was a long time, 20 years in all, that the ark remained in Kiriath the Irim. And all the people of Israel mourned and sought after the Lord. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, 20 years have passed. Samuel is now a young man in his 20s. So 20 years have passed. And Samuel said to the whole house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your hearts, then rid yourselves of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the Israelites put away their Baals and Ashtoreths and served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, Assemble all Israel at Mizpah, and I will intercede with the Lord for you. And when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. On that day they fasted, and there they confessed. Oh, we we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel was leader of Israel at Mizpah. Samuel will be the last of the judges. In the book of Judges, we met 13 judges, each one worse than the one who came before, culminating with Samson. But now Samuel, Samuel, raised at the tabernacle, sleeping within the Holy of Holies, God speaking to him directly. Samuel is now leading Israel. Now when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mizpah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. They're strong people. They said to Samuel, Do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hand of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it up as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on on Israel's behalf, and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them all along the way to a point beyond beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far has the Lord helped us. 
So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israelite territory again. It's going to be a long time before the Philistines are finally defeated. That won't happen until David, King David, engages the Philistines. Well, all throughout Samuel's lifetime, <clears throat> the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to her, and Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the power of the Philistines, and there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. So Samuel is a very effective judge. Samuel continued as judge over Israel all the days of his life. From year to year, he went on a circuit from Bethel to Gilgal to Mizpah, judging Israel in all those places. But he always went back to Ramah, where his home was. And there he also judged Israel. And he built an altar there to the Lord. Now you remember the function of a judge. A judge is not primarily a judicial figure. In the book of Judges, the only judge that was a judicial figure was Deborah, the only female judge. She was a judge as in a courtroom. But a judge is a military leader who rises to the occasion when threatened from the outside, when Israel's threatened from the outside, and deals with the threat. Samuel is now serving both functions as a military leader to put down the threats of the people of Gath, the Philistines, and he's judging judicially from town to town as, in effect, a circuit rider. Now, when Samuel grew old, so he continues working in this way all during his adult life. But when Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel, as the other judges had done. Now, being a judge is not a hereditary position. A judge is to arise from the people and deal with the threat and then go back to being a farmer or a shepherd uh, when the threat's over. But Samuel appointed his sons as judges. The name of his fir firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They accepted bribes. They perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, Samuel, look in the mirror. You're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. We need a king. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, Samuel was very displeased, because Israel was to have only one king, and that would be God. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to him, And think of the Lord's tone of voice. The Lord said to him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected. They have rejected me as their king. 
as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so are they now doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Listen to what they tell you, and then tell them what will happen. I remember graduating from high school in 1965, and shortly thereafter, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. I spent six years in the Marine Corps, 1966 to 72. My father was in the Navy during World War II in the Pacific. He was at all the major battles in the Pacific. And he would come home from work. He was a steel worker, a laborer in Pittsburgh. He would come home from work at about 5.30. He had to come in through the basement door because he was so dirty from work, take all his clothes off, put them in the hamper, get rinsed off down in the basement, change clothes, and then come upstairs. And he would sit in his chair in the living room while my mother and grandmother were making dinner, and he'd be reading the paper. Well, one day, he was sitting there in his chair, dinner was cooking, mom and grandma were watching Walter Cronkite on the news, Vietnam was heating up at the time, and I walked into the living room, and I said, I have an announcement to make. And they all looked up at me, my father, the paper went down, he looked, what's your announcement? I said, I just joined the Marine Corps. I'll be leaving for Paris Island in two weeks. My mother and grandmother, watching Walter Cronkite reporting on Vietnam, burst into tears. My father folded the paper neatly, placed it on the arm of the chair, got up, walked out of the living room into the kitchen, and as he passed into the kitchen, he turned around and looked at me, and he said, you made your bed, now you're going to lie in it. Well, he knew. He spent the whole war in the Pacific and all the major battles. He knew. And that's exactly what God says to Samuel. You tell them. You want a king? Fine, you can have a king. But you made your bed, you're going to lie in it. Well, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties. Others to plow his ground and reap his harvest. Still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be his perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and give and olive groves and give them to his sycophants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. And when that day comes, you will come crying to me for relief from the king you've chosen and the Lord will not answer you in that day. You, you want this, you make your bed, you lie in it. Don't come crying to me. But the people refused to listen. 
No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we'll be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. We want to be like everybody else. Well, the whole point of this covenant relationship with God is that Israelites are not like everybody else. God is to be their king. No, we want a king like everyone else. Well, when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered in a tone of voice dripping with sarcasm. Listen to them. Give them a king. Then Samuel said to the men of Israel, my NIV translation reads, everyone go back to his town. I would translate it. Samuel said to the men of the Israel, get out. And they do. So who will become the king? Now there was a Benjamite, a man of standing whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zorar, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphia of Benjamin. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. Why, this young man was tall, handsome, long flowing dark hair. If you were going to cast a king for a movie in these times, you would pick this guy. He looked like a king, but he didn't have the heart of a king. Get this, the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalisha, but they didn't find them. They went on to the district of Shalim, but the donkeys were not there either. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, couldn't find them there. But when they reached the district of Zuf, Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. <laughs> let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the asses and think that we're asses. But the servant replied, look, in this town, there's a man of God, highly respected. Everything he says come true. So let's go there, and perhaps he'll tell us which way to take. Perhaps the man in this town can help us find our asses with our two hands. <laughs> Saul said to his servant, Well, if we go, what can we give the man? The food we have in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to the man. What do we have? And the servant answered, Look, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I'll give it to the man of God so that he'll take us, uh, take, he'll tell us what way to take. Now, formerly, parenthetically speaking, in Israel, if a man went to inquire of God, he would say, come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. So there's a prophet in town. And if we go and pay him a little bit, he can look into the future and tell us where to find our asses. As they were going up the hill of the town, they met some girls coming out to draw water. And they asked, is the seer here? Oh, yes, he is. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He's just come to our town today for the people have a sacrifice at a high place. 
Now, as soon as you enter the town, you'll find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice and afterward those who are invited will eat. So go up now. You should find him about this time. And they went up to the town and as they were entering it, there was Samuel, the prophet, coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. The Lord had said, About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked upon my people, for their cry has reached me. Well, has God finally compromised here and said, All right, we'll give him a king. When he said, Give them a king, that was dripping with sarcasm. And when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. A man who couldn't find his ass with two hands. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place. For today you're to eat with me, and in the morning I'll let you go and tell you all that you need to know, everything that's in your heart. Oh, as for the asses you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've already been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your father's family? So the asses have been found, only two asses are wandering around, you and your servant. Saul answered, but I, I'm not a Benjamite. I, 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 am I not a Benjamite? From the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? I, look, I, I'm, I'm a nobody. Why, why do you say this to me? And then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall, seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the leg with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat because it was set aside for you for this occasion. From the time I said, I have invited guests. So Saul dined that day with Samuel. Now, after they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of the house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, I'll send you on your way. And when Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together, and as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here, so I may give you a message from God. And then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. 
Rachel's tomb, right outside of Bethlehem. They'll say to you, oh, the asses you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and he's worried about you. He's asking, what shall I do about my son? Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there's a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them. They'll be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you're to do. So as Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came upon him in power. He joined their prophesying. And when all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked, what in the world is this all about? What happened to the son of Kish? Not Saul's a prophet? Now a man who lived there answered, and who's their father? So it became a saying, is Saul also among the prophets? And after Saul stopped prophesying, he went to the high place. Now Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, where have you been? Looking for the asses, he said. But when they saw they were not to be found, he went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, he assured me the asses had been found, but he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Samuel summoned the people of Israel to the Lord at Mizpah, and he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you from the power of Egypt and all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all your calamities and distresses. And you have said, no, set a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. When Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, he was not to be found. Saul, yo, Saul, where are you? Couldn't find him. They inquired further of the Lord. 
Has the man come here yet? And the Lord said, shaking his head side to side, Yes, he's hiding among the baggage. Well, there's your king. He's hiding among the baggage. They ran, they brought him out as he stood among the people. He was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to the people, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? <laughs> There's no one like him among all the people. Well, I don't think that's a compliment at all. You, you take a look at your king, the one that was hiding among the baggage. God changed his heart. But Saul is just not king material. Oh, a head taller than everybody else, long flowing hair, looked like a king. But he didn't have the heart of a king. You see the man the Lord has chosen? This is what you think a king should be. <laughs> no one like him among all the people. That's for sure. The people shouted, long live the king. And Samuel explained to the people the regulations of the kingship. He wrote them down on a scroll and deposited it before the Lord. Then Samuel dismissed the people, each to his own home. Saul also went to his home in Gibeah, accompanied by valiant men whose hearts God had touched. But some troublemakers said, How can this fellow save us? We've known him since he was a boy. The guy's a wimp. They despised him. They brought him no gifts. And Saul kept silent. If Saul were truly a king, a flash of a sword would have lopped off those heads. No, Saul looks like a king, but he doesn't have the heart of a king. Well, that brings us up to our time today. Friday, we'll take a closer look at Saul. We'll see if indeed he can lead people into battle and save the Israelites. Oh, I can't wait. That's going to be a good one. Okay, bye-bye bye now. Keep me in your prayers, please. I will you in mine. And I'm looking forward to being with you on Friday. Bye-bye now. Mm -hmm.